are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is happening and welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Monday, December 31st. And we are at rock bottom as 2008 finally mercifully comes to an end. But first, we do owe you one from Mason. That one goes all the way back to the Washington game the day after Christmas, but this is your boy Matt Shook, a sports writer here in the Motor City covering the NBA for the Associated Press and the Detroit News, Pistons fan and follower my whole life, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thanks for the listen, and thanks for sticking with us through 2018 portion of the season and all these years and, and months and all that good stuff that you've been here. Today, on the final episode of 2018, we're going to look back at Sunday's latest heartbreaker to the Orlando Magic and also look into what I thought were some interesting comments from Ed Stefanski to Vince Ellis of the Detroit Free Press on Sunday. And we're also going to look ahead to Tuesday's first game of 2019 against the Milwaukee Bucks. We're going to continue on a little bit of a holiday schedule, taking Tuesday off, of course. And then uh, we'll be back sometime on Wednesday, hopefully first thing in the morning, but won't make any promises given that we are in the holidays. And then we'll return Later this week, I promise to the first thing every morning, you can expect the uh, episodes to be out. But give me a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. Also, the Locked On Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Locked On Pistons dash Matt Shook. We really appreciate that. And I hope you guys had great holidays so far and got the New Year's Eve extravaganzas and parties and all that good stuff to look forward to as well, and more time to talk Pistons with all your friends, because I know that that's probably number one on everyone's discussion list is the your Detroit Pistons. But uh, again, thanks for all the patience. I know that people don't really listen to podcasts over the holidays. The numbers bear that out. And if you're one of those folks out there who was maybe disappointed about the lack of the episodes that I put out last week and through the holidays, I apologize for that. Um, there's one more that I was planning on doing, but it was just kind of a depressing week with this team. Wanted to unplug myself a little bit. I did not see the loss at all to Charlotte on the Friday night. Um, missed most of the Atlanta loss because I was at the, the Lions home finale. And I also saw none of the game against Indiana on Friday night. And I'll tell you what, it was good for my mental health to drop some of these games. Normally I'd go back and watch those games, but I figured given the scores and the state of this team right now, give myself a little holiday treat and stay away. But even I was back in the saddle on Sunday afternoon against Orlando as the Pistons had a devastating 109-107 to loss on an Evan Fournier buzzer-beating leaner from just outside the free throw line for the win. Stanley Johnson gets blown by after overcommitting to something. I don't know, but uh, he was off balance right when Evan made a nice move, uh, sweeping the ball all the way through to his right side, getting that two dribbles to the free throw line. Andre Drummond was slow on the recovery to help out uh, with the defense there, and he couldn't get there in time. And that was that. Uh, Just after Reggie Bullock had made two clutch free throws to tie the game, the Pistons had climbed all the way back after an early 16-0 run that uh, looked like it was going to make it a laugher for Orlando. But to their credit, the Pistons clawed back in the first half, mostly behind the strong play of the bench led by Luke Kennard. Um, just, I was frustrated with some of the calls late in the game. I tweeted about that too. Uh, there, and you know me, again, maybe I've said this enough times where maybe this isn't uh, a valid thing to say about myself, but I don't like to blame a lot of losses on the officials. A lot of that stuff goes around and comes around. But uh, on the road, it's tough. We know that. But there was an and one from Kennard that was a non-shooting foul that they called. Uh, Matt Shepard and Greg Kelser all over that one. Reggie Bullock later was called for stepping out of bounds when he didn't, according to the Fox Sports Detroit 
replays. And Bruce Brown, I thought, late should have gotten a foul called on a late drive. Uh, three pretty easy calls that were missed by the Stripes that in a two-point game we know how much of a difference that makes. Uh, but in the end, the Pistons fall to 16-18, and 18, back to two games below 500 for the first time in quite a while. Um, but Luke Kennard, as we mentioned, was the leading scorer with 16 points in 23 minutes. Not sure why there weren't more, more minutes, including um, most especially in the final minute when they needed a three, some offense out there. They had Bruce Brown playing offensively in a situation where there was enough timeouts going on that you could have uh, did some defense for offense substituting there. And uh, they didn't do that with Luke Kennard, who had the hot hand, and they didn't bring him in until the very end of the last possession when they clearly needed a three, not the couple possessions before that. Uh, 15 points and 5 assists for Blake Griffin, 15 points for Reggie Bullock, who was 3 for 8 from 3-point land, 14 and 15 from Andre Drummond. I felt uh, those stats were pretty empty at times. Um, I could chalk up at least 4 rebounds to him missing easy shots there. Just a, a bad performance from Dre, who was battling foul trouble throughout most of the game. Speaking of bad, how about the defense for the Pistons? 26 points for DJ Augustine and 8 assists for the former Piston joining pretty much every point guard uh, in dominating the Pistons' uh, atrocious point guard defense. 22 for Nikola Vucevic, 22 for Aaron Gordon as well. Uh, so the guys, that's the, if you're keeping track, those are the guys matched up with the Pistons' big three, right? Uh, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin. You got Augustine, you got Vucevic, and you got Gordon. The, the three guys putting up big games there. And uh, I know that a lot of the discussions I had with friends over the holidays and family about the Pistons it's, it's like a greatest hits, right? It's like well, this person thinks Blake's the problem and he sucks. This person thinks that Andre Drummond's the problem and he sucks. And But we all can kind of agree that, that Reggie Jackson's also a problem too, other than maybe some of the uh, Pistons Twitter outliers out there that still kind of believe. But, um, man, I, I it, what, a, what a way, what a, what a theme to talk about when talking about your team is which guy you hate the most and you think is the biggest problem. But, uh I think they all three of them share that po- that common problem, and that's the defense. I don't think, I, again, I don't think it was the effort on Sunday, and I don't really often at all think it's the effort for the Pistons. Um, I, again, I did not watch Friday against Indiana. I know that that was kind of the theme of the team meeting and all the stuff that was talked about after that game was maybe there was an effort issue. Um, because again, I'm not going to watch that Friday game. I think I'd rather, there's a million things I'd rather do. I'd, I'd rather, um, cause harm to myself than watch a replay of the Pistons losing by 37 points to Indiana. So I'm not going to do that. But, um, I think that there is a through line that needs to be addressed with every single move for this team going forward. And it's not one, it's, it's many moves and drafts and, uh, different things that this team needs to go do going forward to, to rebuild this thing, um, and hopefully do it artfully on a little bit of, a um, the fly. I mean, I don't think I, myself and a lot of you guys out there don't want to see a complete teardown. We don't have the patience for that. But um, it's just baffling that it's Stan Van Gundy over all those years, or well, four years, seemingly never really considered the, def- the defensive side of the ball when making uh, most of his moves. But here we are, and um, we're going to have to deal with it. And up next, we're going to talk about what Ed Stefanski has to say um, in, an, in a Vince Ellis article from Sunday. And include, I want, I'm also going to talk about the move that I think this should be the priority for the Pistons, this trade deadline, get done by February. And it's one I haven't really talked about, but I think it's a must move for the Pistons. We're going to talk about that next. But is your company looking for a new way to reach customers in 2019, the future? Uh, your company can be mentioned right here, right now on Locked on Pistons. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors that they hear on their favorite podcast. Our demographic is 98% males. What's up, fellas? 
with more education and more earning power than traditional media audiences. So have your company go ahead and sponsor Locked on Pistons. Go ahead and email me at matt underscore shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, at yahoo.com to go ahead, as I say, go ahead one more time, and find out more. Yes, sir! And a little bit later on, we will break down Tuesday night's game with the Milwaukee Bucks on the road. Feels like an impossible ask right now, right? I mean, Pistons couldn't beat the Bucks at home when they played pretty well. How is this freaking team going to go out on the road and beat Milwaukee? Anyway, sounds like fun, right? We'll break that one down later. In this, But this weekend, um, this week, this month, I mean, geez, it's, it's made um, people like me maybe realize just how far this team is away from being relevant in this league. I know a lot of it's schedule, but anytime you go 3-11 and over a stretch, and I know that some of you are laughing right now because you were already there with this team, but I'll tell you, it was refreshing to read some of the comments from Ed Stefanski in a Q&A that he did with Vince Ellis of the Detroit Free Press on Sunday. And I'm good. I'm good with the patience of the front office so far, making some measured evaluations, some consensus within themselves in the room, kind of an even-keeled look at their own roster and its shortcomings, what they're inheriting from the Stan Van Gundy era. And look, interviews like this, especially the posturing before the trade deadline. It's window dressing. It doesn't really mean anything. It certainly means less than any transaction that they'd actually make as a front office. But uh, just sounding like you know what you're talking about is a step in the positive direction, unlike the drivel that we hear from Matt Patricia at the podium every day for the Detroit Lions. So um, Stefanski went on to say that things like, uh, you know, only going to move big-time assets such as Luke Kennard and uh, Pistons' first-round draft picks, as far as big-time assets that the Pistons have, which are obviously not, you know, big-time in a real sense, but, you know, compared to the other assets the Pistons have. And, and you know, he won't attach guys like Luke Kennard to um, players to get rid of them, bad contracts. Nice to hear that. Um, you know, you're not going to attach a first-round pick to Reggie Jackson just to get rid of him, for instance. Um, and while it is tough watching our lives kind of tick away, uh, with having to watch Reggie Jackson every game, especially given a milestone of New Year's coming up. It's just, you know, life is finite, as we know. Time is tough. Uh, things uh, just kind of roll on as we as our, as our lives flash before us as Pistons fans here. But um, it's not worth uh, throwing away the future in any way to help uh, the present, to help this team out. Now, are there minor moves that you can make uh, to help this year's team? Sure. You know, could you ta- dangle second-round picks? Or um, you know different changes with the roster and uh, and some of the the deep assets of, of yourself and opposing teams. Yeah, sure, those those deals should be explored, especially if it's looking like the Pistons can turn it around by February and get back into you know solidly in the playoffs, or maybe even trying to get into that eight spot. Because I do believe that there is some value in getting into the NBA playoffs. But um, a question from Vincellis that jumped out at me from the Q and A, and I'll quote uh, the question here: Besides the obvious issue of creating a future problem to solve a current one, can you further explain the reluctance to create a better cap situation at all costs? So Vince is basically saying, you know, why don't you uh, get rid of Lure and attach something to him to maybe create a better cap situation going forward? And here's what Ed Stefanski has to say. He said, we're in cap restrictions right now. We were this past free agency, and we will be again in the next free agency. If we had to get off assets for cap relief with our cap situation, it really wouldn't improve more than what we already have, the mid-level exception for next year. We wouldn't improve substantially, so to use assets to get off some of the contracts you may want to get off, and I'm not saying we want to, but to do something like that, it still wouldn't create a lot of room. So like he's saying, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, if you wanted to get rid of 
the uh, money that you owe John Luer next year, which is $11 million, you know, opening up $11 million so you can spend $11 million in the open market doesn't really do all that much. You're still not a major player in free agency. Yeah, that, that could open up to get another John Lover, John Luer type talent in here, but that doesn't move the needle as far as this franchise goes. And you, again, you still have that mid-level exception, which they'll have next year, and they can get that. And I believe they'll have the biannual exception next year as well because they, they didn't have that at their disposal this past offseason. So every two years you get that one. So again, two tools that the Pistons can use to bring in free agents to replace uh, departing guys like Reggie Bullock and Ish Smith and whoever else, um, possibly Stanley Johnson, uh, Jose Calderon, Zaza Pachulia. You're going to need to replace a lot of these guys on the uh, on the roster, and some of these guys might come back under lesser deals or something like that, not to close the door on some of these veterans. But this brings me to the move that I believe the Pistons need to make at this trade deadline, and that's to trade Reggie. Not Reggie Jackson, but Reggie Bullock. I think the Pistons need to trade Reggie Bullock this trade deadline, he's an expiring deal, be a free agent unrestricted this offseason. He makes $2.5 million for the, for the entirety of the season. Obviously, that's prorated if he gets traded, so the team needs to only get cost, cost on the, uh, the, his new team's cap only what he makes after the time that he's traded. So it's important. I think if you're talking about the Pistons and having a realistic view of this team, very important over the next month or so how Reggie Bullock plays. Of course, it's most important that he stays healthy, and after that, it's most important how he knocks down three-pointers. If you're really thinking about this team and you're thinking about an intelligent way of being a fan, that's probably the most important thing for the next month. Going forward, um, Reggie Jackson, and we'll talk about him in a second, important how he finishes the year. I don't think he's someone that has any sort of, sort of value up at the trade deadline here, but maybe you can get him to be a neutral asset if he plays well at the end of this season, being as though he's only an ex- expiring deal next year. So if, you, if you're if you Bullock and you can continue to stay healthy and continue to knock down some threes, I think that drives the price up for him on the trade market, and I think you could maybe get, and I say this pretty confidently, I think you can get a first-round pick for Reggie Bullock. We've seen guys like Nikola Miritich get first-round picks at the trade deadline. I'm, I'm talking about mid to late first-round picks. We're not talking about anything near the lottery or anything like that. But um, someone who's that efficient, I think I saw on the telecast today that he was sixth in the league in three-point percentage when you take all of last season and the beginning of this season into account. Obviously, that's something that's very valuable to every team in the NBA. You're not tied up to him for long term. It's a salary that every team in the NBA can afford. I'm sure they have some sort of uh, salary kicker that can help them, even if they are capped out. Uh, it, you could basically get a little bit of a bidding war for Reggie Bullock. Every team needs wings. He's not a great defender, usually not even that good of a defender, but certainly not someone who's going to ruin um, your five-man unit defensively out there, passable uh, on the wing. So I just think that that's kind of and – I, and I know that sucks to lose him, especially for this year for the Pistons. It's going to make your team a lot worse this season, but um, you know, you're going to have to count on Luke Kennard to play a little bit a lot more and uh, contribute a lot more and then maybe hope that Glenn Robinson the third comes back and is you know the complete opposite of what he was for the first half of the season basically and we knew this coming in the year that uh, Bullock looking at unrestricted free agency and Stanley Johnson looking at restricted free agency you're probably not going to you're not going to get both those guys to come back you can't afford um, to re-sign both of those guys and right now if you're looking at the trade market 
Reggie Bullock is in a position where you can get something for him, something very valuable. And I know I've talked down about first-round picks a little bit in terms of them being a little bit of an overvalued asset, but all the more reason why it would be nice to go into this draft with two first-round picks. Maybe you can flip them uh, moving up in the lottery. Maybe you could flip them for young players that teams are giving up on. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do with first-round picks. And, you know, worst-case scenario, get some very good players, make some intelligent draft choices, and have them under rookie-scale contracts for a few years, which is a very good worst-case scenario. It would be nice as a Pistons fan to go into this draft uh, looking at, you know, a, a t- the Pistons' own – pick up whether that be 11 or 15 or something like that whatever it's going to be um, and then going in there with a, another one in the low teens or early 20s where you can get a, a usable player someone you can you know watch develop someone who has the skills and the um, the mentality that the new front office and the new coaching staff is looking for in terms of things they want to do on the basketball court and a, and a level of defense and toughness that that we need to have here with the Detroit Pistons team. Um, I think that um, I just don't think that you can get as much for Stanley Johnson right now in the as far as a trade deadline piece. I think you should explore both Reggie Bullock and Stanley Johnson as trade pieces. Um, you should explore trading the whole roster. I think with a team like the Pistons right now who are in a, a, a huge level of uncertainty going forward, this isn't the kind of team that you're looking at saying, well, here's an untouchable, here's an untouchable, here's an untouchable. Everybody's touchable on this team, top, bottom, uh, doesn't no difference that you can you can have trade discussions about every single guy on this roster, um, but I just think that because of Stanley Johnson's defense and how little defense that there is on this roster, that should make him more valuable to the Pistons going forward than maybe he would be on the trade market. And that's not to say that the Pistons need to match any offer sheet that is thrown out there this off season by teams in his is in Stanley's restricted free agency. Um, and I know that like, I don't mean to say this, that I prefer Stanley over Bullock. Bullock is undeniably a better player than Stanley Johnson right now. Um, certainly has been more productive throughout the last couple of years. As Stanley has been disappointing throughout his career with the Pistons. But given that Bullock shoots like he does, is uh, a, guy, a good guy in the locker room, good guy in the community, and um, has that skill, has that shooting skill, and is not a, a negative on defense like Stanley is a lot of times on offense, certainly, and of course, because if he's an unrestricted free agent, he's going to cost a lot more on the open market. So like I said, more realistic that you're going to have a lot of suitors for Reggie Bullock if you keep him and you think you're going to re-sign him and that's the strategy. It's going to be a lot tougher. And having the restricted rights to Stanley Johnson is also a positive and another reason why it makes a little bit of sense to keep him at the trade deadline. And you can see how the market plays out for him. You know, sometimes Guys that you would expect to get re- big restricted offers don't. We're thinking about Marcus Smart this past offseason with Boston. Uh, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Aaron Gordon didn't get uh, offers, and he ended up re-signing with Orlando. Um, and if it's too high, if some team really throws out a number for Stanley Johnson, let him go too. You lose both of them. That's fine. Um, nothing on the wings, especially on this team for the Pistons, is too valuable. Not even Kennard, who... Um, I'd like to see, by the way, a very, very good second half of the season from him. Uh, I think we know that the potential is there for Kennard to make a, a step or two forward in his career, even this season. But the inconsistency is getting frustrated. I know the injury to the shoulder had a lot to do with his season, obviously, so far. But it's time for him to step up and earn some more minutes and maybe getting Bullock out of there. And again, one of your better players in the Pistons, not someone we want to get rid of, but it's more of a business decision. And then you have a guy like Luke Kennard who 
in theory, should be able to step up and, and take some of those minutes, earn some of those minutes. But moving on a little bit more with the interview with Ed Stefanski and Vince Ellis. My favorite part of the interview was Ed Stefanski talking about Reggie Jackson. He says, and I quote, Our medical people said he would not be physically there until the end of the year, that he would still need time because when you're off your feet that long and not playing basketball, it doesn't just pop back on. This will get better and better. I think we will see Reggie at 100%, end quote. And I, and I get it if you were saying that in training camp is like, you know, maybe by Thanksgiving he'll be, he'll be better. But it's just, it's just classic posturing um, for a general manager. I love it. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm sure he's sending the link of this article off to all the NBA GMs. You know, this is, this is the facts about the Pistons right now. Uh, we think that Reggie Jackson is going to be really good and really healthy and really the same 2016 Reggie Jackson by the end of the year. And it's, just, it's a hilarious thing to read and print. You can picture Ed kind of uh, maybe uh, stifling his laughter as he's saying that. What kind of ankle injury gets gets really a lot better as the wear and tear of an NBA season uh, gets close to ending? I mean, you got to go through months of an NBA schedule playing night in and night out for this ankle to really get better. And I know that, again, there, if this was the beginning of the season and this was like a conditioning thing that you were talking about, um, you could buy that. You could say, okay, he's got to get the conditioning better. It's going to take a month or two. Um, but yeah, or maybe is he talking about conditioning and not the injury? Is is the fact that he was, um, you know, sitting out for the summer uh, medically? Does it is it the seventh month seven month process for Reggie Jackson to get back in shape if they're sitting out for two months? So he'll certainly get there. That's for sure. But it was it was just funny to read. Give me a break. I, I love it though. I love the try. Shoot your shot, Ed. That's for sure. Um, but uh, enjoyed kind of the measured nature of the interview and even enjoyed Ed Stefanski trying to the, convince the readers and uh, hopefully other front offices of the NBA that Reggie Jackson uh, soon this year will turn into the old Reggie Jackson. Just just you wait. But uh, the Locked On Podcast Network, we're doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, follow Locked On NBA Net and you get all the Locked On Podcast Network local hosts covering the NBA team on one feed. It's amazing during games, breaking news, and to get the local perspective on what's going on. On Instagram, Locked on NBA Net is giving you the biggest stories in just one minute on your Instagram stories on the top of your app there, and then longer cuts in the biggest stories in the regular feeds as well. So make sure you follow Locked on NBA Net on both Twitter and Instagram. But next, we're going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. The Pistons will be there. On Tuesday night, New Year's Day night, New Year's night, I guess is the best way to put it. But that's next year on the Locked On Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Locked On Network, your team every day. <laughs> well, the Lions season is mercifully over, but Matt Derry from Detroit Radio will be having all of the things that you need to know this offseason on the Locked On Lions podcast, the eighth pick in the draft as they, some reason, uh, decided to go out and win a game in week 17 to knock themselves down from the fifth to the eighth spot. I'm not a tanker, you know that. Not a, not a pro-tank guy, but I think losing in Week 17 is a no-brainer when you're talking about possibly the fifth slot in the draft, which is somewhere you can maybe get the top guy in the draft if things fall well for you, but um, eighth where you're kind of the second or third edge rusher or second or third defensive tackle or something like that. So to me, it's a no-brainer, but of course, Matt Patricia, smartest guy in the room, knows better than that. But check out Locked on Lions and the network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Saw the Wolverines get the win on Sunday against Binghamton. I was in the house at the Chrysler Center. Check out Isaiah Hole with Locked On Wolverines and Will Hunter and the Locked On Spartans crew. Their season will mercifully end today as well for football. 
but uh, a lot of great basketball, the number eight team in the country in East Lansing for Tom Izzo. But let's talk a little Milwaukee Bucks. The Pistons will be in Milwaukee on Tuesday night. The first of a back-to-back for the Pistons will be in Memphis on Wednesday night, a tough two-game stretch for the Pistons who could use an easier schedule than they have right now, looking like an 0-4 road trip on the horizon for Detroit. The Bucks will have been off and at home since Saturday night when they had a triple-double from Giannis Antetokounmpo in a win against the red-hot Brooklyn Nets, by the way. How about those Nets and how they're playing lately? 31-10-10 for Giannis in the win, a nicely rested Bucks team for Coach Mike Budenholzer. The best net rating in the NBA right now, 25-10 on the season. The Bucks are the one seed in the Eastern Conference right now, neck and neck with Toronto, depending on the day. Pistons, by the way, still holding on with the eighth spot, a half game ahead of Orlando to stay in the Eastern Conference playoffs. How freaking sad. But uh, I'm guessing after this two-game stretch this week, Tuesday and Wednesday night, that the Pistons will be out of the Eastern Conference playoffs as it stands right now. Former Piston, if you needed some more um, salt in the wound, Chris Middleton has found his stroke lately. He had 29 points the other night. Although he does have a quad injury, he was actually listed as questionable for Saturday night's games. We'll see. I'm sure he's getting recovered and rested over these couple days, so We'll see his availability on Tuesday night. DJ Wilson, the former Michigan player, still getting some minutes with John Henson and Ursan Ilyasova, another former Piston there, out with injuries right now. So getting some love. I think he had his first career double-double the other day as they announced at Chrysler Center. Showed some highlights of that one during the Binghamton game. But the, the Bucks have won 17 games by 10 or more points out of their 25 wins. Remarkable way that they're lambasting some teams throughout the season. Drilling threes, as you knew Mike Boldenholzer would do with his new team. Uh, the Bucks made 21 of them on Saturday, so it's a team that's going to be uh, firing up some threes. And we know the Pistons, the one thing that they do well, the one thing they have done well so far this season is defend the three-point line below 32%, I believe, for opposing teams, 318 if I remember correctly, before the Orlando game, leading the NBA by a, a wide margin. The Pistons doing a good job, and obviously some of that's uh, luck and teams cold shooting or missing for whatever reason, but you got to give the Pistons some credit, if not a lot of credit, for the way they've been able to uh, take care, uh, run some people off the line, make it difficult for three-point shooters, although we know that the uh, maybe a lot of the reason is because it's so easy to drive on some of the perimeter players that you might as well just do that. So instead of uh, some of the, uh, the the open threes, you might pump fake or, or just drive by these guys because it's so damn easy sometimes. But Certainly, as a Pistons observer of these last of these last few years, several years, I guess we expect a big loss in Milwaukee against the Bucks on Tuesday. But we will see. And uh, no line right now as I tape this on uh, late on Sunday night. But uh, we'll pass that along on Twitter over the next couple of days. But like I said, no show tomorrow. But give us a follow on social media. Twitter is Matt underscore Shook S C H O C H. Another underscore after that. Also the Lockdown Pistons Twitter account. I said on a, a recent show that we might do a, a gathering January 2nd for the Memphis game, but the holidays just came. I wasn't able to throw one together yet, but we are looking to get together um, some show meetups with some listeners. Looking forward to meeting you guys, pressing the flesh a little bit. And uh, let me know if you have any places in mind or dates in mind. But I'm looking at some of these Wednesdays in 2019, some road games, meeting up at some local bars and, and uh, talking it out as we kind of get through this whole thing that is called Pistons Fandom Together. But this is your host, Matt Shook, saying thanks for listening to the Locked on Pistons podcast. Happy New Year to all you guys. Hope you've been enjoying the holidays. And we will talk to you guys in the year 2019 of our Lord. Thanks for listening.